it, I, I think it's so interesting how sex is so powerful. It's so powerful. God created this beautiful, powerful tool for marriage. And the enemy is so good at trying to get us to have so much sex and to unleash and, and engage in this power before we're legal to do it, biblically legal to do it. And in the confines of what God has created, one man, one woman in marriage. And then once we get married, get married, the enemy is so strong at trying to get you to not have sex. Every avenue of culture is saturated with sex. Obviously, the enemy is clued in on how powerful of a weapon unity and sex is within marriage and so he is doing everything in his power to pervert it to contort it get us to misuse it hello and welcome to the union podcast my name is bonnie i am co-founder of the union movement along with my husband brian hey what's up everybody and we're so glad to have you join us the union movement is a ministry dedicated to helping people find wholeness in the areas of sexuality identity and relationships and we do it all with a gospel-centered holistic approach. This podcast, we try to have conversations that are relevant and uh, really have a varied topics. And we're really excited for what we're going to share with you today. And uh, we're glad to have you join us. If if you are new to the podcast, we love it. If, if you find the content helpful, if you would help us get that in front of more audience listeners, you can do so by sharing it or subscribing or leaving us a review wherever you listen. And that just guess that in front of more in front of more people yeah we love it we totally totally appreciate that and if you're a continued listener we're so glad you've come back and uh and joined us here i think you're going to really really appreciate the conversation today but before we get to introducing the episode we are super pumped that's the term we are just using uh at least i'm using maybe it hasn't caught on with everybody But we are super pumped about the Union Conference coming up on November 17th and 18th in Abbotsford, BC uh, at LifeSpring Church. This is going to be a young adult conference that's focused on uh, helping people just have a gospel-centered perspective towards sexuality, but also just setting their lives apart to the Lordship of Jesus, allowing Him to heal areas and just give us perspective that really lead uh, to His glory in our lives and also our good and our flourishing. And so we are super excited about that. Uh, you can follow the link in the, the, the show notes. It's going to lead you to registration as of November 1st, which is today. <laughs> uh, we um, The registration has gone up to $55, but uh, you, there's still plenty of room uh, for you to come and, and bring your friends. It's going to be a great experience. So that's the 17th and 18th. Uh, here of November. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Yes, that's right. We're feeling really excited. We're pumped for the conference. And so super pumped. hope to see you there. Um, today, as we dive into the conversation that we recorded actually a little bit ago with Sabrina Schlesinger uh, from San Diego, California. Uh, this was a conversation just between her and I. Uh, I had actually approached her because I was seeing on her social media uh, that she was courageously and kindly going after, um, I would say debunking myths around female, females and sexuality and what it looks like to have a thriving sex life, um, in the covenant of marriage. And I loved it. I loved her tone. So I reached out and said, could you come and just have a conversation with me? Because I've seen this like swinging of the pendulum, uh, where maybe for many years, 
there was like this underlying thought, even within church culture, that sex was something that uh, maybe would be enjoyed by men, but it wasn't really a thing for females to enjoy. It was more like you just got to show up and do your duty. Uh, but then it, but then lately, I've seen um, this other swing towards like. I would say almost a goddess attitude within females where they're like, this is just about you finding you and finding your expression and, and men are there just to make you happy. And I, and I'm like, no, there's, there's actually a balanced approach that we see laid out in scripture where, you know, within marriage, our bodies belong to one another and it's meant to be a place of intimacy. Um, not just like erotic experiences, if that makes sense. So I wanted to have some conversation about what it's like to cultivate feminine sexuality within marriage and how to cultivate that intimacy in marriage. So uh, Sabrina and her husband, Matt, they pastor in Grace North County Church in San Diego. uh, And they are also the hosts, the co-hosts of Marriage on the Go podcast, as well as Parenting on the Go podcast. And uh, I think you're really going to appreciate appreciate what she has to share. So here we go, diving into the conversation. Sabrina, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you. I'm so honored and excited. I uh, I reached out, you know, a, I don't even, it was a couple months ago now, yeah. you know, and just because I had been following you for a while on social media and was really, um, really encouraged by your content when it came to marriage and when it came to um, I would say like debunking myths for women and talking honestly, talking biblically um, about sex in marriage, how to be like you were giving practical advice, but you were also just, you know, I saw you just basing it on scriptural principles. Can you share just how you how did you start talking about that stuff? Not everybody, mm-hmm. not everybody's willing to go there. No. And especially uh, a pastor's wife, it's like taboo for uh, us to talk about it. So I would say it, it started with when I was younger, um, my, my, and I've, I've, I've talked freely with my mom about this and she's given me full permission to share this, um, because it's part of our story. My mom was really open about, uh, her sex life and it was very negative. It was a very negative viewpoint. Uh, I remember one day when I was in high school, her coming up to me and telling me how much I'm going to hate sex Mm -hmm. and how much she didn't like it with my dad, which obviously is a really awkward conversation in and of itself. There was a a lot of unhealth at that time in their marriage, obviously. And it just stuck with me, this idea Mm -hmm. of what was spoken over me, what was modeled, what I heard, um, that when it came to me, after getting married and even more so when I started having kids and me deciding how do I want to frame sex to my kids and what do I want to teach to my daughters and my son, it started to open up for me the conversation of like, I don't really hear about this in church. I didn't grow up hearing any sex talks. In fact, I heard about sex the first time when I was in junior high at a sleepover camp from another girl, like overhearing and eavesdropping. So I never had a good sex talk. I never had it modeled well for me. And if it was modeled from the church, it was an interesting conversation there as well. And I just kind of went, I, I can be either 
blind to it, be silent about it, or be a solution to what I feel is an issue that God very much cares about. And the world is speaking loud and proud about sex. And they are so bold about everything. Culture in our society is preaching this message. Why are we not as Christians and why are we not as a church? And so out of all of that pain and out of the weirdness and the dysfunction came a heartbeat and a passion for me to start talking about it openly and sharing my perspective, what God has given my husband and I as a message, because it's such a powerful tool and weapon in marriage. And when I say weapon, like spiritual warfare weapon, not a bad weapon, um, although it can be used as a bad weapon. So long answer to your question, but a lot of history behind it. And uh, so that's how I got into it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so you were, you were, you grew up in the church. Is that I right? grew up in the church. I've, my mom was a Christian. My dad was not. Uh, we went to like old school Presbyterian growing up. And then when we moved, which was right before I got into middle school, we went to a holy rolling church, an assembly of God church, and where they raised their hands and spoke in tongues. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Crazy people. Yeah, it was crazy. But there was such a difference of life that I encountered. And um, that's when I met Jesus and met the Holy spirit and got radically saved and have never been the same again. So I grew up in a pretty liturgical church, but junior high and on it's, uh, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. That's so cool. I also grew up, um, in church and would be, I remember hearing like, Oh, that church down the road, the one that our family went to, like they swing from the chandeliers. Like that I just remembered that phrase. You're like, I've never seen anyone do that actually. Totally. And also like, what is, I don't know what anyone else's church is like. I don't know. Like I'm just used to loud and, um, and joyful and And fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty fun. Um, but you know, so it's interesting. Some of the, so what we want to talk about today is kind of how there are messages in culture but then there also can be these messages within the church yeah. uh, that can shape our view of sexuality. So, I mean, I love that you shared, you know, from within your family, how that was, that shaped you. Um, and I would say something that I viewed within the church was uh, nobody, I don't think anyone ever like spoke negatively about sex, but I, what I did see um, was people who seemed to be like, just serving the Lord. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, their lives would just get ruined by sexual immorality, either whether it would be, um, a girl in the youth group getting pregnant unintentionally or, um, an adultery, an adulterous situation. And I remember thinking like, is it the, is sex, this just like this force that comes and overtakes people against their will. (laughs) And I, you know, is it actually, how is it, how is it good if it can cause so much bad? Yeah. Um, and so I had to work through a lot of that you know, and in my later teen years, um, I remember one specific moment where I, a friend of mine had confessed to me, she was like going to Bible school and she had confessed to me like, yeah, this guy that I've been dating, we've actually been sleeping together and she's in tears and so much shame. Cause she's like, I know this is not what I want. It's not the direction I want to go, but I don't know how to stop. 
And the next day I was also in like a Bible school program, like a leadership development program. And I remember going into worship and just wrestling with God, like how could something good cause so much grief, Mm. you know? And so fortunately I felt like the Lord then did bring teaching across my path. I intersected with truth where I realized, oh, God's design is good. And it's us. We are the ones who step outside of it. And that's what causes shame, but God never wanted it for us. That shame for us. Um, and I'm really glad that, uh, I think I worked through a lot of that, um, those false narratives before even Brian and I got married. Um, so tell, can you share, how did you, you know, if we're thinking about maybe the young woman or an older woman who's just recently gotten married or is thinking about getting married and is thinking about what, like, I know what sex is like out maybe I've had negative experience outside of marriage, but what is it supposed to be like in marriage? What were some of the lessons you had to learn um, that really shaped you and your, and your marriage with Matt? I would probably say one of the biggest shifts in my thinking, and I don't even know exactly when it happened once we got married, but seeing our, our, our intimate sexual life as a beautiful gift that we get to give to one another. And that I legally, like biblically and legally, am the only one who can meet that need in him and vice versa in me, rather than seeing it as a duty and an obligation. That was probably the biggest mind shift for me. And also realizing like there is a, a, a servant's heart that has to be intertwined with sexual intimacy with your spouse because it is an act of service at times as anyone who is, uh, I would say, I mean, our first year of marriage, we were like, it was not servant's heart. It was just fun. Like there was no pressure. There was no obligation. It was just like, how naked can we be? How often can we, you know, it's like, it was so fun, but then you get pregnant and hormones change and bodies change and work schedules change. And, all of a sudden there's this other child, this, this child that needs you needs to nurse and needs all of your energy. And how do you navigate that? And so then it became this like duty and obligation and even a point of resentment at times in our marriage. In the first number of years with our small kids, when I would feel just like, gosh, do you even see me? Like, do you hear, are you going to care for my needs? And it just all became like me, me, me and him, him, him. And so the biggest shift, I remember being at a, it was actually at a youth pastors conference because we were youth pastors before we're pastors and uh, senior pastors, I should say we're pastors still. And uh, I remember them talking about just the aspect of like, you as a wife, you are the only one who can meet this need in him. And it just turned a light on in me of going, Oh my gosh, you're right. And it became a, I wouldn't say it became a delight overnight. And I would say there's still seasons where it's an act of service and it's my gift to him and my way that I can serve my husband and our marriage and bring us close together. But the resentment, the obligation that, that left a long time ago. And when that changed, I felt like a lot changed in our marriage and a lot changed in our intimacy when 
when that servant mindset shifted and and not just me, but also in my husband, because we had a lot of conversations about, about sex a lot. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's a couple directions I could go. So I'm, I'm going to try to remember. Um, but I love what you said there, the shift from obligation to the sense that this is a gift and this is a, an opportunity to be a servant. And I think it's interesting, maybe one of the mindsets that we, I would say, yeah, we see in culture is that sex is, isn't about servanthood, but no. it is about, um, consume like consumerism. It's about objectification. And so, yeah. and so either we fear being objectified or we objectify someone else. And it just kind of stays in that place instead of it being this, like a give and take. Cause it really, that's yeah. what it is, is this, this moment where both of you are giving and receiving in the same action, you know? Yeah. Well, that's um, the beauty of it. If, if you go into the mindset, but we are seeing such a swing in culture. And I think it's always been that way, but it's just being so much more shouted from the rooftops that like, this is especially women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so prevalent today. Uh, this is my body this is, I'm the wonderland. And if you don't care for me, I will care for myself. I mean, there's just like, I don't need a man. I mean, this, this, this very unhealthy and honestly ugly, Mm -hmm. I think it's very ugly what comes out of women. When we get to that place where we say, this is a woman's world and we don't need them. I'm like, no, yeah, we actually do. This is a man and a women's world. Like, can we not be a man's world? Can we not be a woman's world? Can we be a man and women's world? Because that's how God created us for both of us to bring our uniqueness to this world, which is what brings such beauty and harmony. And instead of just us trying to always be on top and making it happen for ourselves, it, I I may say something unpopular and you can, you can delete this if you want, (laughs) but go, just go for it. The mindset, uh, the the people that are being idolized, the Beyonce's and the Taylor Swift's of our world, which quite frankly, they need Jesus so desperately. And they're, I'm sure that, but they are the, they're the heralds of this generation with this feminist, Mm -hmm. ungodly, very selfish and toxic mindset of it's all about me. And maybe that's not in their real world. I don't know them personally, but that's what's coming across in their I, their music and what is being preached to a generation. And um, it's it's unnerving and it scares me for the future if we don't if we don't get this right. Mm-hmm. Because when you get the family right, you you get the nation right. If you get the marriage right, you get the family right, and you get the nation right. So we we've got a we've got a battle here. This is a battle that that is worth worth fighting over, and it is a hill worth dying on, in my opinion, because everything hinges on the the success of a family. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think it is a dangerous thing when followers of Jesus, female followers of Jesus think that they are exempt from the scripture that says, if anyone wants to follow me, they have to like lay down their life. Or if anyone wants to be great, you're going to have to be the servant of all. And I think that the bedroom is not this like territory exempt from the, what should be the, the character of Christ showing up. Yeah. Like we have to show up there. Now, some women and some men will then swing this really weird 
and, and make this really awkward of like, you're my servant and I'm, you're my master. And they'll take this to a whole toxic, disgusting place of, Mm -hmm. uh, control and manipulation and using sex as a dangerous weapon with one another. And so it's when I'm saying servant for anyone who's listening, I'm not saying doormat. I'm not saying, uh, the, the, the woman has to just roll over and say yes every single time and has no voice. And he'll, I mean, like, I'm not saying that. My husband married a very vocal, opinionated, strong woman. Like, I have strong opinions and I'm not afraid to tell them to him. And um, so I'm not a pushover by any means, but we... But there's something beautiful. And I think Jimmy Evans said, says that he's like, um, if, if you don't know Jimmy Evans, he he has a, an amazing ministry called Exo Marriage for anyone out there who wants some awesome marriage material, uh, everything they put out, I just adore. Um, but he says, basically, I'm probably going to butcher it too. Like the best marriage is two, is two selfless people serving one another. That's the yeah. best marriages is that the worst mm-hmm. marriages are two masters that are being selfish. That is not his quote. So don't quote me, but that's the, <laughs> that's the, the idea, the idea yes. of it. <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. And I think that's why I'm so excited that our husbands are going to be, re- you know, we'll release a conversation between them of them kind of saying to men listening, yeah. you also equally need to show up as a, with that servant heart. Absolutely. Where we, yes. We, we have our own personal boundaries. We communicate our needs and our wants. Um, maybe let's, well, actually let me back to what you said before about you are the only one that can provide this for your husband. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the, like when I learned that, okay, so the, the hormone oxytocin is mm-hmm. released. We know as women is released when we give birth to a baby and then we feel like, you know, we would die for our baby. Um, we'd give, we'd give anything for our baby. So it's a release there. It's like this bonding hormone. It is also released, um, in sex, in sex, um, and yeah. in sexual activity, but also for women, we get the same levels of oxytocin from a 20 second hug mm. that man gets from an orgasm. I believe it. So we and from conversation like we get oxytocin from just having conversations with our friends we can go out with girls and have a good conversation we come home we're like i feel so full in my heart (laughs) whereas men it takes like orgasm is what releases that little level of oxytocin so when our husband i think this was a key for me when i was like my husband wants me sexually it's like he wants me relationally he doesn't just want me sexually he wants to feel close to me what like that's actually really honoring to me. That's actually even flattering to me that he yeah. wants me. It's not just my body. He wants, he wants closeness with me. And so I think that was really pivotal, um, that we are the ones that they are coming to. And so let's, as best we can not turn them away. Yeah. Um, and I was, I feel like that's one thing I've been great, glad to do in our marriage is that as much as possible, I've tried to not say no. I've tried to. Same. get there you know um which maybe can we talk about how do as married women like you said the first year man just 
everything's just a party. You know, how I love that you said that. How, how long, how often can we be naked? I think about our honeymoon and we came home, we went to Hawaii and we had a friend be like, Oh, did you go to diamond head? Oh, did you go see this place? Did you go to this place? And we were like, no, we were on our honeymoon. <laughs> I know. I'm like, we maybe shouldn't have gone to Hawaii because we didn't really go outside much. No, we went to British Columbia. You guys, we went oh. in, the, in the cold of November on our honeymoon because we had like, we hadn't had sex before marriage. So I'm like, I had no idea. I was a virgin. So yes. I'm like, the, the song says all night long. So why would You're I thinking, get there that's tropical when I'm not going to want to, I'm just going to be in the hotel room. I didn't know it was physically impossible to like not go all night long. <laughs> no one told me that. Totally. I had a awesome. lot of learning to do on our honeymoon. <laughs> Same man. Yeah. Yep. I was virgin on our, for our honeymoon as well. And so, yep, there was lots of playing to do. Uh, so, okay. So, but then later, like you said, yeah. when there is, uh, maybe th- there's listeners who that's what the stage they're in. That's fantastic. I hope that it's going as well for you. Uh, but okay. Later on when it starts to get a little bit more challenging, like you said, maybe we're sleep deprived. We have one or two or three or four or five or six children. <laughs> um, what are some things you have done? or work schedules or in college or all the different things that can just pull us away from one another. What are some practical things that you uh, recommend women could do in order to be cultivating this aspect of the relationship? Oh, I love this question. And I have, I would say two, two really practical answers. One is, especially if you are in the stage of, I would even say, whether you don't have kids or not, if you're just in the stage where you just aren't vibing with sex and you're not getting turned on and it's not coming naturally, like maybe it used to, I mean, there's some, some women's libidos that are far higher than men's, but the majority of women, our libido is far lower. So there's always going to be a little bit of an imbalance there. So I would say number one, communicate to your, to your husband, because it's so mental for us. Mm-hmm. So it would be something like if I had the littles at home, I'd be like, Hey, it, tonight's the night. Um, this is how you could help me so that I could be fully present. And in, we could both enjoy this. Cause I know when I enjoy it, my husband enjoys it so much more when he knows I'm enjoying it. So I would say, Hey, babe, I would love for you maybe to put the kids to bed or, um, put on a movie. I'm going to take 15 to 20 minutes upstairs or wherever I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to get myself cleaned up. I'm going to put on a, a song to kind of get my, my, my mood on. I'm going to light a fragrant fragrance, a candle to start stimulating the the smells and the aromas and like, because we have to make a shift and take Mm -hmm. off our mom hats. I mean, it just is what it is. And it's really hard to hear a baby crying and be present in the bedroom. And so when you communicate this and, and guys don't always understand our process. And, and most often your husband, if you're a newlywed has no clue. He has no clue what you're, you're battling. He has no clue what's going on in your mind. So don't make him figure it out. Just make it really plain and just say, Mm -hmm. this is how I could have you help me so that I can be like 
fully on when you come into the room, like we are ready to go. And then spend that 15 to 20 minutes thinking about your spouse, thinking about your husband, about how you first met, about your great dates and and start cultivating romance in your mind so that when he walks in, you're like, the, the, the crock pot is like, fully on and you're ready to go. That's one thing. And I think it's, it's really practical. I think we need 15 to 20 minutes of alone time. Um, what I'm not communicating just in case someone out there is saying this, I'm not saying start masturbating and getting yourself pumped that way. No, no. Let your husband be the one who primes that pump. Don't prime your own pump. Um, so that's not what I'm saying, but mentally we can get prepared and start taking things off in our heads, our, our, our mom hat, our boss hat, our daughter hat, whatever hats that yes. we're carrying all throughout the day so that we could show up as bride. And that's super important. The other thing that I would say, and it's, it doesn't sound romantic, but let me tell you, it works and it still deals with the mindset is have it scheduled. And some guys are really anti-scheduling sex. Um, more girls are actually open to it. So I even say like, if your husband's anti-scheduling sex, then don't let him know that you scheduled it. <laughs> like, just internally, like on your calendar, just have like, you know, that this day or these two days a week, you're going to like be intimate with your husband. And so then what it does in us is it allows us to prepare all throughout the day mm-hmm. where you start cultivating flirtation, sending each other texts, um, sending each other cards. I can't wait for you to be home tonight. I can't wait to be close with you tonight. I can't wait to make love with you tonight. And you start speaking and cultivating romance all throughout the day so that by the time your spouse does come home, there's such an anticipation and expectation for one another. And and because again, for us women, it's so mental. So as, as unromantic as it may sound, we schedule what's most important. We schedule the doctor's appointments. We schedule dates with friends. We schedule, uh, dentist. I mean, we, we schedule things that are super important to us. So why not schedule intimacy? And listen, that doesn't mean that that's the only time you get to have sex, but this is the times where, you know, like, Hey, if life gets busy, we're at least going to be, you know, getting on like at least this time every week Mm -hmm. and so you have something where you look forward to, where you get to come together physically, emotionally, spiritually, and emotionally and be present with one another. I love that. Earlier, you mentioned how, you know, sex could be used as a weapon against one another, or it could be used as a weapon to fight for your marriage. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty obvious for most people how it's used against, I mean, with misogyny, with, with manipulation, withholding, uh, all of that kind of stuff, which is a negative. When my husband and I, we have from the beginning seen seen sex between us as spiritual warfare. And it I, I think it's so interesting how sex is so powerful. It's so powerful. God created this beautiful, powerful tool for marriage. And the enemy is so good at trying to get us to have so much sex and to unleash and, and engage in this 
power before we're legal to do it, biblically legal to do it in, in the confines of what God has created, one man, one woman in marriage. And then once we get married, get married, the enemy is so strong at trying to get you to not have sex because he knows the power. Why do we, we say sex sells like every avenue of culture is saturated with sex. Obviously the enemy is clued in on how powerful of a weapon unity and sex is within marriage. And so he is doing everything in his power to pervert it, to contort mm-hmm. it, to get us to misuse it, to get it outside of the fireplace and to, you know, do whatever we need to. And so, um, we, when, when we feel, when we feel disconnected from one another, and even when we are arguing and we've, we've come to some conclusions and we've like uh, forgiven one another, we know that one of the best ways to seal the deal and to stick it to the man man being the devil. Um, these could be so taken so wrong with sound bites. <laughs> oh, this is good. The sex talks, uh, that, that we will like, let's, let's come together where the enemy would want us to stay yeah. separated and divided. We are, we're going to come together physically, spiritually, emotionally, like in all intimacy, we're going to come together as a renewing of our covenant. I think Tony Evans actually called that like, it's like a communion um, with one another. He has a book. It's a small book. It's called sacred sex. It's so good. It really breaks down God's design for covenantal sex Hmm. and in, in, in marriage. Um, So, I mean, like it's, it's a real short book. So if someone doesn't like to read, um, this is a good one. Um, but it really breaks it down. Sacred sex, Tony Evans, so good. But he he does talk about how it's like having communion with one another. It's renewing the covenantal vows every time that you make love with your spouse. So that's in our opinion why we see it as spiritual warfare, because there is an enemy who is out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy the unity between husband and wife. He wants to tear down the fabric of marriage and what and one key element that God included only in marriage is mm-hmm. this beautiful gift called sex. Yeah. So of course he's going to do everything in his power to try to destroy that between a husband and wife. I love that. I think that, um, yeah, I think about the scripture where Jesus said like what God has joined together, you know, within the covenant of marriage, let nobody tear it apart. Yeah. And I remember it, that actually became almost like a prayer of mine where I would add, not even me, like let nothing tear us apart, not even me and my, you know, withdrawing or my unwillingness to soften my heart or my wanting him to read my mind or, you know, and, and it's, there's so much relational stuff that happens outside the bedroom that affects what happens in the bedroom. Um, I think that, you know, for some women before they're married, if maybe they're not, maybe not serving the Lord or, mm-hmm. or not serving him as he asks them to, by keeping this part of their, keeping their sexuality kind of reserved for marriage. It's like, they're, they're just like, fr- you know, freely given away sex, but then they come inside a covenant and suddenly they're like, 
like you're saying, the enemy is like, no, no more sex now. Um, but it's, it's like these, all these relational things that start to like, kind of just erode trust and cause resentment in the bedroom. And so I just, I mean, our story was that we had saved ourselves to give that part of ourselves in marriage for one another. Uh, and yet life just kind of starts to chew, like kind of just starts to kick you, you know? And so God has joined together. Let no one tear it apart. Not even me. And, uh, yeah, just a determination. It's like, even when my, like the vows I spoke on my wedding day, even if it's difficult for me, like it's, if it's, even if it's, especially when it's difficult, that is why we have those vows yeah. is that we know I will turn my heart towards my husband. And, uh, and this is, I love that you've been vocal about this, um, in the relationship, uh, like what I've seen on your social media is that you're, there is biblical, um, principle for us as wives to be submitting. And I think it's not just about, like you said, being a doormat or he he gets to make all the decisions, but I think it has to do with, I think of it as yielding my heart, yield my heart to my husband. I even, it says wives submit yourselves to your husbands, even as unto the Lord, you know? And so it's like, what, how do I submit my heart to the Lord in all things? I just keep my heart soft. I try to bring things to him. So, you know, I guess I just feel like I want to bring that up because that relational piece really can damage what the intimacy, the the sexual intimacy that is meant to be occurring within, within marriage. Another, oh, sorry. Do you, do you have a thought on that? No, you don't go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, just a question. Something that I know is very uh, difficult, can be very difficult for women is when they start to feel insecure about their bodies and how that can hinder sexual intimacy with their husbands, what, what type of advice would you give for women who are feeling, feeling nervous about being naked, nervous about being seen in light, in the light, or, you know, any of those things, their body has changed. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a constant struggle for me because I continually have gone up and down in my weight specific specifically. And I mean, it's currently a struggle because I'm at the higher end where I used to be at the lower end of on the scale. And so this is what I, I I try to remember and try to speak to myself is, um, my husband cares when it comes to the, the, the body that he sees in me, he, he really sees just a few things. (laughs) guys are just more simple and where I'm in my head about the, the extra belly fat and the back fat and, you know, the cellulite on my legs, my husband, they just see boobs and butt, you know, and it's like, that just makes them so happy to just see boobs and butt. And so I think, I think we are really hard on ourselves as women. Um, but I think my husband has been so good at he wants me healthy. We have conversations about health all the time. And he, he wants me at a healthy weight. He wants me to, to live as long as I can with the amount of stamina that I can, so that I can be around for our kids and our grandkids and all that stuff. So that's aside mm-hmm. from health talk, but what, when it comes to, to bedroom, like he's, he's, he's all about the body and, uh, He's, he's pleased. (laughs) He's happy. So I just have to continually remind myself, like, do what I can, Mm -hmm. um, 
make the decisions that I need to today so that I can be even one step healthier so that I can feel more confident tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, know that my husband's happy with just a few things on my body that make, and he really doesn't see anything else. <laughs> so I, I, I do. I'll let Brian, Brian will need to ask this to Matthew. Um, just, it'll be, I'll be curious to see if his answer is the same. So I think it will be like, I, I, I heard once when you try on uh, lingerie, like in a store, you just, you crumple it on the floor and you're like, does it look good on the floor? Cause that's really all you're getting it for. So does it look good there? Yeah. All right. Let's buy it. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny is that I, I remember hearing, you know, like, Oh, guys are just so easily sexually stimulated by, you know, and often visually often, yes. you know, like they're so attracted to women's bodies and being like, Oh, that's just like, is, I don't know, being a little bit, almost like a little put off by that. And then after you have babies and you're like stretched out right. and you're like, you're like, okay, what I did have in my chest before is now deflated. Let's be honest. <laughs> and then I go, man, I'm so glad that you are so easily sexually stimulated by my, my bodies. That's change. actually a gift. Like I'm like, actually that design of God to be like, listen, husbands, they're going to be fine. They're going to be yeah. fine. Your you husband know? is fine. Your yeah. And then, fine. I mean, I would say for, you know, and this is in the culture we're in right now where there's so much pornography that is distorting yeah. what a realistic woman's body looks like that yes. is dangerous in marriage because it it divides a husband and a wife and it creates Absolutely. an unrealistic standard that a man might compare his wife so then i mean that's a whole nother com other conversation maybe we'll need to do that another day um but i do think you're right we just need to keep showing up I'm similar. And even through the years of the ups and downs of weight with babies and, um, you know, it's like, we do what we, we do our best, do what we can, but remember that they married us for who we are as a complete being and yeah. not just for a body, you know? And so they want us to show up. They want us as we are, as we want them as they are. Like we're all yes. getting, we're all going to get older. Our bodies are all going to change. We're going to, wrinkle and we're going to turn gray and we're yeah. going to hair might, you know, hair is going to fall out. And, but it's like, we did say that, didn't we? We said we would love each other all the way. Yeah. So then to slow, like slowly just continue. Um, and yeah, we're investing, investing into the future of, of sexual intimacy and, um, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I feel like there's still so many more, so many more topics we could talk about, but if there are, you know, if there was one more thing that you'd want to sh share, mm -hmm. um, what would, what would you say? Something that is important for women to remember? You know, I would say as much, as much as I love to talk about sex is equally as much. I love to talk about communication and marriage because they're really, they really are tied in. And so I understand the woman who's like, all he wants is sex and he has no interest in me and there's no conversations and there's no emotional intimacy. And why would I want to have sex with someone who has, and I hear that I, as pastors, we hear that all the time, uh, messages that I get through Instagram all the time. And wow. so the, the, the necessity to cultivate friendship with your spouse, to cultivate conversation, um, that's why Matthew and I are really big on making a weekly date with your spouse where you are intentionally being with one another 
Um, and you could do that with kids, with little kids. You could do that. I mean, I would say whether you have kids or not, it needs to be a priority. And to model that for your littles, that this mm-hmm. is mom and dad time. So, you know, we we always had an early bedtime for our kids and we kept that for a long time until obviously they were like teenagers, but they still know that about 7.30, mom and dad are kind of like, we love you, but we're going to go, you know, we're, we're now we're so tired because we're like almost 50, but it's like, we're going to go and be with one another. And we are making one another a priority being one with one. Well, they all kind of get an idea that mom and dad have lots of sex. <laughs> they don't love it, but you know, they also love it. They love that we have a healthy the stability, life. the stability that it oh, brings to your family. Sure. So I would say get a date night or a date day make it happen where there are no kids. You can do this with littles. It's more challenging, but it's still a priority. Do this with money or without money. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of creativity that you can have. I actually have a shameless plug, 52 date nights. It's free um, where we put together three different dates. One's at home. like So if you got littles, one that's like, if you're on a very slim budget. And then one that's like bougie, like fun. And you can spend some money every for one, one week or one day a week for 52 weeks, you Wonderful. get an email that sent three different options. So we've done the heavy lifting for you because we value this key element so much and to talk and to become friends again, and to remember why you fell in love with one each other in the first place so that your intimacy can be out of this world. So that's what I would say. Relationship, date, don't just make it all about sex. Sex is way more fun when you've put in the hard work of becoming really great friends and laughing a lot and prioritizing your marriage. I love it. I love the perspective that you bring, that it's intentional, that it's fun, that it's, you know, God ordained, that it's a spiritual, it's an act of spiritual warfare. I mean, it's so, it really is a special a special gift that we have as husbands and wives to spend that time together. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for spending this time with us. Can you just share quickly? We'll put it in the show notes as well, but for people who would like to follow and get some, you know, more practical advice and stuff from your, uh, from your Instagram and you guys, I know you have some, a podcast uh, library that they can go check out as well. Can you just share where people can find you? Absolutely. And on Instagram at Sabrina Schlesinger, uh, it's a hard last name to spell, but S-C-H-L-E-S-I-N-G-E-R. And we have two podcasts, uh, both are on hiatus, but there's years of very still relevant content. One's called Parenting on the Go. So if you are a parent and you want some really biblical, practical advice, my husband and I just talk, we talk about it all. And then we have our favorite one, which is marriage on the go. And uh, the on the go is they're not like two hours long. Like it's like 20 to 30 minutes, um, something that you can like listen to while you're grocery shopping, while you're in the, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it on speaker with kids. I'd have it in your ear just because we do talk about topics that might not be suitable for littles to listen to, but it's my husband and I, we banter. We have a lot of fun. I think you'll laugh through them too. Um, so those are the main places that you can hear us. That's fantastic. I'm sure. Um, I'm hoping that just lots of people will, will, uh, start to follow you along there. Cause I know that your, your content is very life-giving. And so it's been such a joy to, 
to get to know you and to have this conversation. And I know that next up is going to be our husbands are going to be having some good conversations. So I'm curious for that one too. Awesome. Well, we'll stay in touch and thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.